Want access to richer content and exclusive analysis on the business of sport? Sports Pro Plus is used by experts across the industry to make informed decisions, with two membership tiers offering access to original content, exclusive reports, and a suite of business intelligence tools. Become a member today at sportspromedia.com forward slash subscribe and use the code FCPOD10. That's FCPOD10 at checkout for a 10% discount. The Football Co. Business Podcast. The most creative minds and innovative thinkers in football. Hello and welcome to the Football Co. Business Podcast, where we talk to the most innovative people working in football, media, brand and marketing. On today's show, we're talking to Matthew Barrett, founder of GoldClick. GoldClick finds people from around the world to tell real stories about their lives and football communities through analog photography, short film, and their own words. Through their unique approach, GoldClick has told stories of fan culture, refugees, international football, and football in conflict zones, while clients and collaborators have included CONCACAF, UNICEF, and the US Women's National Team. I'll be talking to Matthew about how first-person storytelling and photography can help to place the lens on lesser-known stories in football, the difficulties in working in war zones and refugee camps, as well as working with the likes of the US Women's National Team and CONCACAF. Matthew, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. What a great introduction. I feel like the job is already done. Um, one thing I will say, it's this is a strange show, this one, because we're very much talking about what you do, which is very much like a visual, visual art form. But obviously, this is a podcast. So for anybody listening, if you do want to find out what Gold Click is about and you want to get an idea of what we're talking about through the show, head to the show notes and links will be there. Or just search for Gold Click on social media and online. Um, I mean, Matt, you said that was a good introduction, but I mean, how would you describe Gold Click? That's how I described it. So I think the main way we describe Gold Click is as a documentary storytelling organization, but one that focuses on the first person perspective, which is very different from a lot of other storytelling organizations and storytelling methodology, which has traditionally been, can we send in a production crew or a photographer or a journalist to tell a story about somebody? We really flip that around um, and we get the person who is traditionally the subject of the story to be the storyteller themselves and give them that freedom, that power, that control uh, to create their own narrative and give their own perspective as they see it. So for the business um, side of things, you know, we are a, a funny hybrid between a platform, a network, a production house. It, it can be quite hard to place Gold Click at times, but fundamentally, what it comes down to is finding great stories, finding interesting people, and giving them that platform uh, and that power to tell their story as they see it. Yeah, I mean, there is not kind of like one way to describe what you do. So I appreciate that's a little bit difficult. But one thing that has um, been very much a calling card of what GoldClick does is the use of um, disposable camera photography. Why have you kind of focused on them and on mobile phone photography? When considering like there are very few people in this world now, even if it's kind of low quality mobile phones that don't have access to some sort of mobile photography. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is amazing often when we work with people all around the world that mobile phones are so ubiquitous. Often technology just leapt from um, straight to mobile phone first and bypassed a lot of other stages that some of us in the Western world um, had the fortune to use. Um, you're right, Gold Click started about 10 years ago and our very first calling card um, was the humble disposable analog camera, 27 shots, point and shoot, very nostalgic, very old school. Um, and still to this day, the first 
thing that any Gold Click storyteller does is use one of those analog disposable cameras. Um, there's three reasons really why we've used that tool. I think the first is equality. There's something very powerful about everyone who takes part in Gold Click, whoever they are, wherever they are, starting with the same tool to capture their world around them um, as they see it. And so it's a real leveler. And it would surprise you how, you know, it does really level the playing field, no pun intended, um, for people to be using that same tool. The second reason is probably the one that means the most to me. And I would say that's intentionality. So obviously with 27 photos and a roll of film, that scarcity means you have to really value each photo you take. And I think that scarcity actually leads to an improvement in quality as people really think and are very deliberate and are very patient in what they they take photos of. So that's a really important one. And then the third reason, it's just its uniqueness really, you know, from the method itself, I think really draws people in, maybe an element of nostalgia or an element of something just different. I think we all love the ease with which mobile phones have given us the ability to be photographers, but I think sometimes it can create a disposable culture, again, no pun intended, of taking hundreds of photos and never really looking at them or valuing them. And the aesthetic of the analog film is is really quite beautiful and powerful and sometimes can look even better. So yeah, those are probably the reasons why we've uh, we've gone down the road of uh, disposable analog cameras. Is it also more authentic as well? I know there's very much of a debate about what is a photograph now and so many mobile phones can not just kind of capture what they see it through the lens, but also adapted as well. That must be important. I sh- I'm sure what what comes off of a disposable is what a disposable saw. Totally, and I think in all of our forms of storytelling, whether it's written or video or spoken words, we want to be raw and real and authentic. And I think that this particular format, analog film, is the peak of that. You know, there is nothing you can do to change it. Um, you can't see it until it's developed. Uh, and so I think as that starting point for us, it's a really important part of our jigsaw puzzle. I think without it, we'd lose a bit of the heart um, of Gold Click. But equally, you know, we're not analog zealots. A lot of our storytelling is in uh, formats beyond analog, but it's a really important heart of it. Is there a bit of a, a learning curve with with kind of some players or some people who you work with in the sense that there are many who, who have grown up with who maybe early 20s, late teens, who've grown up without even having access to disposable cameras and others who it's um, maybe the first time they got into photography when they were younger. Do you, is it some sort of like kind of education you have to go through and show them kind of literally just how to, you might say point and click, but if you've never seen it before, it might not be that straightforward. Absolutely. I mean, I think regardless of where you are in the world, I think 24 seems to be the current cutoff point of whether you had these cameras in your life as a younger person or whether you really haven't come across these objects before. Obviously, that's not universally true. There are plenty of people whose families have passed on the love of analog photography down to their children. But yeah, 24 does often seem to be this cutoff point of uh, of the time at which people were experienced with them or not. But then to be honest, there are parts of the world where this technology never even was used in, in those places. So we definitely have a real method of holding people's hand through the process. We really do guide and brief and make sure people are comfortable um, with all of the storytelling. But obviously these cameras have a, you know, they are simple, but they're not simple if you don't know anything about them. Uh, and so, yes, we we do send how-to guides and we do make sure that people understand. But yeah, l- along the way, there has been 
duds uh, and there have been mistakes made with people clicking all 27 photos in two minutes um, or not quite understanding how they work. But generally, our success rate is um, is pretty high now. We feel pretty comfortable that almost all cameras we send out will be used um, well because there's no point in this form of storytelling if you can't use the tool itself. So it is quite important for us that people know what they're doing. You don't always work with players. I mean, you work with people from kind of all backgrounds and all cultures and kind of all touch points in football. But when you do work with the players, what's their response when they realise that they're not actually usually anyway, they're not usually going to be going to be seen? There's no real kind of proper selfie option with them for the cameras. Do they kind of like enjoy that more or do they kind of get a bit, they, do they find it a little bit alien? That's something I say a lot about gold click in general and particularly the analogue style is it's not necessarily better or worse. And actually that's almost a bit of a false comparison. It's just different. Um, it's a bit unique. And I think that it draws people in. You know, we've had examples where players from the US Women's National Team have seen one of their teammates using the cameras and have wanted to get involved. And I think we also do find that it engineers people's brains in a slightly different way of how to take a photo. We very much live in a selfie culture. And just to not have that option and to go a little bit different you know, you're not in the photo. Most of the time we're in our photos. <laughs> so it, it can cause a bit of cognitive dissonance might be the words, not to over-intellectualize of like, oh, this is a very different style of storytelling from what I do in my day-to-day life. And that is true across the board, not just with like elite players, or fans or grassroots players. We've all been brought up in a society which pushes us maybe in a direction around how we take photos. And I think that it's good to have difference not better or worse, but it's good to have a different way of doing things. One of the uh, moving away, kind of from the the uh, the process of of creating the content that you guys um, uh, work with and partner with people for. Your one of your most recent projects was with um, Concacaf, which is quite, you know, quite different than a lot of the work you do when it comes to more of the uh, the, the harder to reach areas of the world. What was that one about? Because that that was one which, as far as I understand it, kind of like brought in pretty much everything that you offer. But it's kind of it was almost like kind of like a perfect project. Although I must I presume it did have its it must have had its own stumbling blocks as well. Always, but yeah, and no, I think that is a relatively good description of it. Yeah, the work we did with Concacaf um, this past summer um, was a series called Heritage, where we worked with Concacaf to tell stories of fans and interesting people around the Concacaf region, which is North America, Central America, and the Caribbean. For those who who don't know the acronym or are familiar with the organisation, and we ultimately showcase everything that we have to offer, which is finding the stories and the storytellers through searching our network and and doing the kind of casting in effect. We ultimately casted 16 storytellers um, from the USA and Canada to Trinidad and Tobago and St. Marta and kind of everywhere in between. And then we guided those storytellers through the process of them telling their own story using analog and digital photography, written words, and video. Um, And for video, obviously, it's using their mobile phones. And it was a really, really powerful set of storytelling. And it then got released uh, on CONCACAF channels and GoldClick channels on the day of the CONCACAF Gold Cup final. And yeah, it, it was ultimately as I've said, putting the power in the hands of those fans to express their own stories um, and their heritage and their national pride uh, around a big tournament 
in a way that hadn't really been done before. Uh, and it was part of CONCACAF's new storyteller platform, which is called 41 Diamonds. And this was the first series as part of that. So all in all, we're really, really happy with how that went because it showcased everything that GoldClick is also becoming, which is you know, multimedia and being able to kind of cast those fans depending on on what is needed by a by a client. Going back to the fans then, and we say what's needed by a client, I presume that's different depending on what the projects are. What do you do then when you're looking for fans? Because there must be a tendency when you're kind of well, not when you're creating, but when this kind of content is created, to look for the extremes, and by doing so, then kind of miss out on uh, in inverted commas, kind of the real fans or the more kind of uh, the fans that don't kind of necessarily kind of like grab or catch the lens. Would you would that be correct, or how do you go through the process? Well, look. First of all, I think everyone has a story, and I think that people often, even the fans we cast, sometimes can't quite understand why we are looking for them. <laughs> it's interesting. There's often a lack of confidence in why would people want to know my story? I'm maybe nothing special, but um, I think we believe that most people, if they kind of tell their story honestly and are given those tools to do it, everyone's story is interesting. And obviously we're, we're looking for people who have maybe a an enthusiasm, um, a desire to tell their story, are clearly passionate. Um, but, you know, a lot of what GoldClick has done is not looking for unbelievable stories. Like that's not necessarily what we're, we're going for. We're looking for people who have an interesting and different perspective. And I think we also want difference and a range of views and a range of feelings and a range of different backgrounds. So I think it almost would be a little bit might go the other way if every single story was almost unrelatable. Um, I think that's the real big thing. You wanna you wanna tell stories that people can also relate with. I think one of our guiding principles is that we want people to have a better level of understanding of someone else's life and culture and community. Our route into that is a connection through football. But ultimately we want people to come away and say, huh, I didn't realize that about a country or community or a certain type of person um, and have their expectations challenged a bit. And so that doesn't need to be, you know, a completely unbelievable, inaccessible story. It can be a regular fan who goes above and beyond in their community or in their country. So there's a little bit of um, artistic and creative license on in terms of who we pick. But yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to find those untold stories um, no matter where they are in those communities. But your work is obviously very global. You can do that if you just scroll through your Instagram feed or go through your website, it's everywhere. As a company, we, are, we ourselves work in countries all over the world, capturing football, working with clients, and logistics is always a challenge. That must be a lot simpler when you're, in a most basic sense, kind of sending disposable cameras out of places. Um, because of this, where, where would you say some of the most interesting places that you've seen your, that you've captured work from? Any places where you think might have otherwise kind of been a bit more challenging for the more um, uh, mainstream content creation? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we pride ourselves really on our remote methodology. As I've said, it creates a bit more of a, a raw feeling, the fact that we are not traveling anywhere. In a way, we're kind of anti-travel, which again, I think leads to a, maybe a greener solution as well to the issue of production. But yeah, it relies a lot on remote guidance um, and communication um, from wherever we are sitting to wherever they are living. 
I think it allows us to work in multiple places um, at the same time and in a way that we go deeper than might otherwise be possible. So I think some of the ones that leap out to us are work in refugee situations. We have a partnership with the UNHCR and we've told stories from around about a hundred different refugees and asylum seekers over the last five years. And these are both in new host communities in Western countries or new host communities in neighboring countries to where crises are taking place. So lots of work in in Kenya, um, lots of work in uh, Latin America, you know, from Venezuela to Colombia to Panama, but also in refugee camps as well. Um, So obviously uh, Jordan, we have done a lot of work in. And yeah, I don't think it would be possible to go as deeply into those communities if it wasn't for the remote methodology, because it's very, very hard to access places and people in crisis situations. Um, So I think we're we kind of part design, but part luck in a way. We find ourselves being able to work in these um, in these places in a way that um, not as many other organisations can. Outside the refugee situations, um, you know, we've worked in North Korea, for instance, which I think is somewhere where not much uh, comes out. And you know, we had a North Korean tour guide do uh, the project. Uh, the camera was. I'm going to say smuggled, but taken across the border um, from China to North Korea and placed in the hands of this North Korean tour guide who uh, captured a stadium match uh, in Pyongyang. And look, obviously there are restrictions and things that can't be captured by someone in that position. They had to be relatively discreet. And I don't think that negates how powerful the images can be. Uh, I think even something which is almost self-censored in a way is revealing and interesting about our country. So was it a perfect gritty view of North Korean football culture? No, but that in itself is quite fascinating that this is what has come out of that country. So yeah, it was, it was really, really interesting to get those uh, photos back. I mean, you, you have worked with many places, but the North Korean one sounds particularly challenging. How did that relationship come about? Who, who approached who? What was the purpose of the content? It just seems to be to be a very difficult thing to do to capture some stadium pictures. Took four years. It's the longest it's ever taken um, from start to finish in terms of building a relationship with someone who was able to get the camera in the right hands and get it back <laughs> and make sure it came back across borders. I, I won't reveal too closely who, who those people were, but um, it's a real exercise in trust, patience, um, and doing things the right way. And I actually think that with every story we do, those are some of the reasons why the stories are powerful and why they actually happen. Because you know we can't click our fingers and, and rush people who might be taking a risk or who might not be as comfortable telling their story. Um, you know That can be women and girls telling stories in Iran or Pakistan, or it could be you know, just regular people in places that haven't done this before. So I think generally we try and make sure that we're seen as credible, that we're seen as trustworthy, that we're seen as patient, uh, and that we're seen as you know a good partner. And I think that's reflected back in the stories that we that we get. I mean, the, these stories sound. I mean, they are fascinating. I've seen the photography as well. I've seen the stories. Would you prefer to work in with regards to the likes of uh, the North Korean stories, the refugee camp stories, the Kenyan stories that you mentioned, 
or in what I guess would be classed as kind of like more mainstream football? There's no preference. I think we want to tell stories across lots of different backgrounds and places. You know, we we tell an equal amount of stories in elite football as we do in fan cultures, as we do in community football as we do in conflict zones and refugee situations. We have always been drawn to those people who don't have a platform, who might be more marginalised, who might be more dispossessed, who might not have the opportunities to tell those stories. Like the very first story from Gold Click was from Sierra Leone, from the National Amputee Football Association uh, in Freetown. An incredibly evocative and powerful story and set of photos of amputees from the Civil War reintegrating into the society. And that really did start us on our way. So we're always drawn to those stories, which are a bit more unlikely and a bit more far flung maybe. But I think as we've gone along, we've we've realised that it would be boring if that was the only kind of story we told. And actually the beauty is in the difference. Uh, the beauty is in people you think everything might have been told about, the US Women's National Team. Surely we know everything about them. I mean, we got really deep into that team, like through working with Sam Lewis and Kelly O'Hara and then Naomi Germa for this World Cup. We got photos that no one else would have got, no outsider would have got. And we got a story that I think surprised people about how normal and how like human these star athletes were. So from Sierra Leone to the US Women's National Team camp and everything in between, we're drawn to these people as human beings and human beings are unpredictable and um, different and they're always there surprising you. And I think that's what keeps us like engaged because God, everyone is so different and you never know what you're quite going to get. I bet it's the case across all the things that you've done. The US Women's National Team, what I thought was, it did seem quite unique because you really don't get those kinds of shots, do you? Things are usually staged or they're match photography or... but. The ones here were just like a group of friends on a holiday taking photographs of each other. In the, it always does kind of. It seems kind of very to me anyway, evocative more kind of like the of the nineties because of the disposable nature and the grade on the film, etc. But yeah, it does seem quite kind of nostalgic to a simple plan of photography. You're right as well. The, the posedness is interesting because I think that through our method in general and what we try and encourage people to do is we're trying to remove the posed nature. I think. There is a slight epidemic at the moment of um, peace signs, I think, in the world. But generally, we want to get people in as candid a situation and as relaxed a situation as possible. And yeah, the best photos that come from Gold Click and the best stories are definitely the ones where you can see that the storyteller has a relationship with the community that is very inclusive and accepting and easy for them to document. I think it would be very different if we were working with people from outside that community who were going in to tell that story. Um, it comes through in everything that we do, and um, that this is someone from deep within the heart of that world. So going into, let's look into the future then. We've talked about the work you've done in the past, work that hopefully might happen in the future. Where do you want to be? Is there anything which kind of you've got your your um, your mindset on for the, let's say, the next few years? There's obviously a World Cup coming up. Big tournament, but I presume there's a unique angle with that. Yeah, we, um, we're definitely pivoting towards the Americas, for sure. I think the last few years, we have really done a lot of work in Europe and the Middle East for obvious reasons, both from World Cups and also kind of where geopolitics is at its most interesting um, or its most dangerous, sadly. But we'll always be a very global organisation. But the US, Mexico and Canada World Cup presents its own unique opportunity. So I think we'll be doing more and more in that 
um, part of the world. We are um, also, maybe not so relevant for this podcast, but we are also starting to move outside of football. So probably about five to ten percent of our content now is in other sports, and then really, you know, other formats. So whilst we feel that we have a really good approach now to written word, video, and photography, we're starting to explore audio. We're starting to explore spoken word in a live setting, and elements like that keeps us on our toes. So yeah, and continue to do really great partnerships with organisations in the sporting world. You know, fifty percent of what we do is what we just want to do ourselves. We fund it pro bono with charities, with individuals, with interesting people all around the world. About 50% of what we do are kind of commissioned collaborations with clubs and governing bodies and sponsors and charities. Um, and I think that balance is really important for us to you know, make impact and also make impact for the commercial work that we do. And then obviously kind of operate at the, the kind of more commercial uh, levels when we're exploring fan culture and elite football at kind of bigger clubs but yeah that's what's coming next but most important than all of that is we we really do want to stay true to our methods and what we make people feel and think when they come across a gold click story which hopefully challenges some stereotypes challenges some expectations and takes people into somebody else's world which is something i just don't think we do as much anymore i think we care a lot about issues but we maybe don't prioritize them so i think if football can be that little segue uh into uh, another person's life that's always what we want to make sure gold click feels like yeah so that's a really good mission where where should people look if they want to find more about gold click actually kind of see the photography we've been talking about today yeah um so our website um goal-click.com is a great depository for everything we've ever done really but then instagram at gold click uh is where you'll find maybe a lot more of the the video elements but also the the best of i guess uh, of what GoldClick is producing. Um, and then we're obviously on all other social platforms like uh, like TikTok and uh, X and LinkedIn, but I'd say Instagram and our website are the best places to uh, to follow. And obviously, you know, whenever you're at a major tournament, chances are we will be there because we like to do exhibitions at the major tournaments um, and we like to kind of be in amongst it. So, you know, who knows, maybe Germany 24, Switzerland 25, uh, United 26, all places that we will be. Yeah, you don't seem sure of options. Matt, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much. If you want more of this, check out the Football Code Business Podcast archives wherever you get your podcasts. The Football Code Business Podcast. The most creative minds and innovative thinkers in football.